Welcome, sports fans. You have entered the man cave of the one and only Fan Man, broadcasting from his lazy boy recliner somewhere in the Vale of Paradise known as Valparaiso, Indiana. Hey, sports fans. Welcome to the Fan Man Podcast. You can catch the Fan Man Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most other platforms. Check it out. We've got over 75. Man, there are so many episodes, I can't even remember the number of them, but I know we got at least 77, 78 episodes already. Uh, talking NCAA basketball. We've got shows about the NFL, college uh, basketball, college football, Baseball, everything. So check it all out right there. You can also check it out on uh, Twitter. I got a lot of the shows up on Twitter that you can click on and, and get through pod- get the podcast on uh, Google and Apple and everywhere else. And um, about a week or so ago, if you can look back at a couple episodes ago, I uh, gave my predictions on Wild Card Weekend, and I believe I only got one wrong. And it was the worst one to get wrong for me because I picked the Cowboys. Um, that's my team, unfortunately. I hate to admit it, but that's my team. I picked them to win, and that's the only game I ended up losing. So, um, But we're, what we're going to do today here on this episode is go through each game a little bit, not spend you know two hours talking about it, but we're going to go through each game, give our thoughts, and uh, we're going to make a couple predictions on what's going to happen this weekend. And the man to go through this show with me, is the one and only Chad. Never tell a lie, Lincoln. How you doing, Chad? I'm doing great, Bill. I mean, those games, the way that they've played out most of them, it's like, wake me up when Tuesday gets here. Because they were just that news fast. I think the only one that may give you want to consistently watch was maybe towards the end of that San Francisco-Dallas game. Just to see what was going to happen. But other than that, most of the games I could have done without. Especially over three days. Right, and, and think about my situation, right? So you're right, the games, the only game that was somewhat, you know, well, I guess to some degree, maybe the Raider game and, uh, you know, the Cincinnati game, the Raider-Cincinnati game, maybe that went down a little bit far there. But for the most part, there were snoozes. And then the one that I had the most interested in, I want, I almost like slipped my wrist after the game. Yeah, I mean... There were only so many times that you could be like, is this game going to end at some point? What's going to happen? So. Right. All right, so the Steelers and their game lost by 21 to Kansas City. The Patriots lost by 30. And the Cardinals lost by 23. Did they even, did the Cardinals show up in that game? Really? Not really, no. That game to me seemed like it was almost like the end of a season baseball game. Like that Sunday when everybody's playing at the same time and nobody really cares unless your team's like on the brink of the playoffs. It's like nobody really wanted to watch that game after a while. And no. I think they probably did shut it off. Cause it just, Arizona didn't do anything to look like they belonged. It was like watching a number one seed Duke play uh, number 16th seed at Northfolk State in the uh, NCAA tournament almost, right? Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was terrible. It was like watching a 1990s one versus 16 
where the one seed already had 120 points and they were just getting out of halftime. Right, right. So this this wild card round, you know, it's the second instance in NFL postseason history of three teams losing by a margin of 20 or more during the opening round of the playoffs and first since 1982. But I bet you the ratings were good and everybody was watching them, right? But a lot, like you said, though, some people turned it all off. Yeah, I mean, there was really nothing else on TV against those games, which was great for the NFL because they had all their attention because they didn't turn any games before noon until Sunday when they had the three games going on. Right. But Saturday they had pretty much the entire night to themselves. I mean, there were some college basketball games that you wanted something else to turn on. But Sunday there was really nothing. It was the, the three basketball or the three football games, and that was it. So yep. they really dominated Sunday, and it was just a matter of could you tolerate it long enough or did you decide you had to go do some shopping or what? Yeah, that's right. All right, so let's get into it. Let's talk first about the uh, Bengals-Raiders game. Bengals 26, Raiders 19. Joe Burrow, you know, led his team to its first playoff victory for the Cincinnati Bengals in 31 years over uh, Las Vegas on on Saturday in the AFC wildcard game. Burrow led an efficient offense that scored on six drives. Evan McPherson became the first rookie to make four field goals without a miss in a in a postseason uh, debut, and Jermaine Pratt sealed it with a fourth down interception in the dying seconds. It was a victory three decades in the making uh, for the Bengals, and uh, wow, the Bengals won a playoff game, Chad, huh? How about that? That was an awesome thing for them, because they were just showing so much promise this year, and especially with the future of Joe Burrow with having Jamar Chase to throw to again after they were at LSU together. That combination is going to be one to really watch. It's, it, it could be that we're seeing the second coming of uh, Rice and Montana. Yeah, it looks good. it looks good so far, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, wherever one goes, the other's probably going to follow. So, right, it's, whatever gets them when it comes to free agency, if Cincinnati doesn't send them both the long term deals, they're going to really get a, a special one two punch there. Right, and uh, good for uh, Coach Zach Taylor. And uh, he handed the ball over to Mike Brown. And, of course, the uh, the original owner was Paul Brown. He, you know, and the Cleveland Browns are named after Paul Brown. But Paul Brown goes and takes over the Cincinnati team. And, and team owner now, Mike Brown, uh, got the game ball from Zach Taylor. And it, good for the Cincinnati uh, faithful there who stuck by their Bengals all these years, right? Yes, I mean, that team for the longest time... Like they said, uh, the previous head coach, Marvin... Marvin Lewis. Um, Marvin Lewis, thank you. He um, he built the, pro- the the program so that when he left, they weren't going to fall apart. I mean, there was the longest time there that it just felt like things weren't going right for Cincinnati as a team, and the city was just not getting behind them. But then he leaves, and he didn't leave a team in shambles. He left a team that was really growing and going somewhere. He made sure that the organization was on a pace to be something better than what it turned out when he got there. I mean, they went through David Shula as a head coach, and he screwed things up badly. And the city kind of fell apart in terms of supporting the Bengals. So when Marvin Lewis came in, he made sure that team was ready for a long run. Right. a talking city. 
Yeah, and um, it seemed like they moved away the Bengals too from you know some of the antics, some of their players, right? They were known as a dirty, a dirt kind of a dirty team with Vontes Perfect there for a yeah. while, right? So they, so yeah, they, they did a long period of time where they had some issues off the field that kind of migrated onto the field. But it, but you know, it's so funny, isn't it? Though you go and you get a quarterback like Burrow, and you just get better. I mean, we could talk about Chase. We can talk about some of the other things that are going on on offense with uh, Joe uh, Mixon and things like that. But you got to have the quarterback, right? And now they got one. Yeah, they they definitely made a good pick in getting Joe Burrow number one when they had that chance. I mean, there were other teams that probably wanted to get that number one pick, but Cincinnati was smart and saying, "Nope, that's our pick. We're taking, we're sticking with it." Yeah, Pace Pace uh, moved up in the wrong draft, I think. He moved up in a lot of wrong drafts. <laughs> he should have moved up in the Joe Burrow draft. Should have if he had a chance, but we probably would have had to give, it up, give up a lot of our defense to do it. Yeah. Right. I don't know. You're, you know, they'd have to give up even more. They wouldn't have anything left, I know, if they went and did that. Yeah, but... probably wouldn't have that pick for the next 15 yeah. years. <laughs> so, so what do you think of this Las Vegas Raiders team? You, you know, sometimes I get a sense that as long as you're playing in Vegas, you know, it, are they ever going to, are they going to win in Vegas or is Vegas just a place to have a lot of fun in? I think in their case, it's going to be just a place to have a lot of fun in. And they're going to, they're still going to be a strong team in the AFC West because the AFC West isn't anything outside of Kansas City right now. Yeah. So, yeah. They've, they've still got that opportunity to make the playoffs as a wild card, and that's pretty much all they have to do. And that may have cemented uh, the interim head coach, Rich, uh, I don't know really how well to yeah, say his Bisacci? last name. Yeah, it's like Bisacci or yeah. something like that. It's, yeah. it's like you, you're insulting somebody with the way you say his last name. Right. But, um, he really led that team when they were in the worst of things this season with all the stuff they had going on. Off, it was off the football field, whether it was John Gruden's emails or um, Henry Rig, Henry Ruggs, or um, there was one other player that ended up being dropped from the team because of issues that he had off the field. Yeah, it's like for him to be able to get that team back together and say, you know what, we still have a chance to make the playoffs. Let's go do it, and they do it. it says a lot for what he could do with that team and why he should be kept. Well, Chad, not only do I think he should be kept, but I think he should be in the running for the coach of the year. I mean, think about how bad this was. Mike Mayock just Mayock just recently got fired, the general manager. And like you said, you had the off-field issues. And, of course, you had the emails with Gruden and losing Gruden and everything else going on there. In a city in a city like Las Vegas where it's hard to keep your concentration on, on what's in front of you. And I think this guy did an amazing job getting that. I mean, he... He had a lot of pressure on his shoulders, and he ran and ran and ran and made sure that he kept that that team working. And that's a great thing, especially with a veteran quarterback like Dave, like uh, Derek Carr. Carr could have said, you know what, I'm just going to play out the rest of the season, and if you want to send me somewhere, send me somewhere. But he actually led this team to being better than what they were with Gruden. Right, right. couple a milestone here. The Bengals and the Raiders combined to make eight field goals in that game. That's tied for the most in a playoff game since the start of the century. P- 
Panthers and Rams in 2003 division round and Steelers and Broncos in the 2015 divisional round. So a lot of field goals in the game, but Joe Burrow, you know, put his stamp on this one and boom, just like that, Joe Burrow's got a playoff win and look how long it took Matt Stafford to get a playoff win. Joe Burrow's already got one, right? But the other thing that Cincinnati did that Detroit refused to do was build around him and get in the pieces that he needed. Right. Well, Detroit, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Detroit, we can go around all night on Detroit, can't we? Yeah, I mean, there were just so many things wrong with that organization that are still wrong, but I think they're working on trying to fix them now. What do you think? Do you think we should do a podcast on, like, the last... Well, we could pick it. Let's start when the first Super Bowl and run it all the way up to the top here. Probably can do a pretty disgusting Detroit Lions like 50-year show or something, right? <laughs> it, it would be rather uh, Lindberger-like, to be honest with you. Yeah. I keep... I keep using the, in the barrel. Right. Andre Ware, Joey Harrington, we can go through it all, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've had bad quarterbacks. They've had bad... Outside of Barry Sanders, what else have they had for a running game in, in they, their history? Yeah, they had Billy you know. Sims at one time who was a good runner too, but you know they never could put it together. So, And they're always going through coaching changes. And, that, and that's an example. I always throw Detroit Lions in the mix there when people say, hey, let's get rid of the coach, blah, 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 blah. Right? I mean, if you keep changing, mm-hmm. it's one thing if you, well, it's one thing if you have a, a solid team like, the, let's say, the Cowboys. I, I want McCarthy out of there. We could talk about that later. But it's it's one thing when you have a good team you know, maybe you want to make a coaching move quick, but if you have a bad team and you're trying to build it, you might as well stick with a couple guys, but they keep switching, you know, they keep switching coaches like all the time. Yeah, and the problem with the professional game is you can't really develop the team the way the head coach wants it to when you're talking money. I mean, the, the organization wants money coming in rather than fans saying, you know what, we're 4-12 and in week 13. Or not four and twelve in week thirteen, but you you get where I'm going. We're four and twelve. We need fans coming in. You know, it might have to be a case where we have to fire the coach now just so we get something going in this city. But it's like, did you really give that coach a chance? I mean, look at your roster over the last few, the couple of years you had him for. Was the roster any good? Right. Yeah, I know what you mean. All right, so look, I looked at the stats in this game, and the stats were pretty even, the Raiders and the Bengals, but the big thing that stuck out was the turnovers, too. Lost fumble and interception throw there for the Raiders, so I thought that was like the only thing that stuck out. Um, and re- really stuck out at the end was that the Raiders could not execute at the end of the game. I mean, they had their chance, but they just couldn't execute. And later on, towards the end of the show, I want to walk through all these quarterbacks that have played in this year's playoffs so far, and we'll talk about him a little bit, but disappointing, right, for Carr, Derek Carr? Yeah. He, he kind of reminds you of, like, the football version of Ricky and Keel when he had the yips for the Cardinals and threw, like, the three or four pitches over Fisher's head. Right. The one-division series team. Yeah. That's what like, Derek Carr looks like in this. And I, I want to say, for whatever reason, it was his first playoff game. Wow. Yeah, that's it right. Like yeah. It's like somebody's been around that long and he had the yips like that. Okay, first first playoff game nerves I can give you, but it's like 
you've been with this team for how many years? You shouldn't have the yips as a veteran quarterback. Right. I mean, Joe Burrow having the yips, we could, un- we could understand. But Derek Carr, it doesn't make any sense. Some guys have it and some guys don't. Some guys are still trying to find it, right? All these quarterbacks. We can go, you know, that's and, and he's one of them. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, let's move on to the next game. And this really was a snoreboard. I was so excited for this game. I thought it was going to be a fantastic game. Because, you know, who thinks that Bill Belichick's ever going to get blown out of a football game? But it was the Bills 47. And let's face it, they were laying it on thick at the end. Okay, I mean, it was 47, Patriots 17. And the Bills wanted to jack that score up a little bit, I thought. Uh, towards the end, they're throwing the ball. Josh Allen set a team playoff record with five touchdown passes, including two to Dawson Knox and uh, Devin Singletary, and ran for two scores in the first half of a 47-7 team throttling of the Patriots. And I was like, wow, holy cow. Well, I don't know if Belichick has ever gotten beat like this bad. I was thinking about that when the game was going on. And it's the largest in the playoffs for New England in Coach Bill Belichick's tenure, which began in 2000. This was the worst loss. Um, did you expect a blowout here, Chad? I really didn't because of the fact that you had two big up-and-coming quarterbacks. And then when you have, you're have you talking Mac Jones being Bill Belichick's quarterback, it's like he's probably going to be peaking at the right time. So he's ready for the future part of the playoff round this year. And then all of a sudden he just comes out like this dud and it's like, wait a minute. What the heck happened here? Because it's not like he's playing in, in uh, weather that New England never sees. Usually this time of year, New England's seeing that same kind of weather Buffalo had. But it was like he was the California quarterback coming in from L.A. or Seattle or anything like that to play a playoff game in bitter cold Lambeau or bitter cold Buffalo. And it's like, this doesn't make any sense. Why is he not playing better? You know, right. and a lot of times we're hearing these excuses of, well, because of how cold it is, the grip on the football may not be as good. The, the ground underneath you guys' feet, they're slipping all over the place. And it's like, you know what? Probably excuses you have. So what? They still got to play the game. You do things to adapt so that you can make sure that maybe the passes come a little quicker. You don't have such deep routes. You adjust to things like that, right? I don't think I don't think the Patriots really did that because it's like, well, if they're going to have the same problems, why aren't we? Yeah. Well, you know what, and, and I don't, you know, it's easy to say this, but in reality, I don't know how much this applies. But you know that that big drive they had, I think it was the first time they got the football, and they went all the way down the field, and Jones was firing it all over, and then he threw that interception in the end zone, which I thought that wide receiver could have made a better effort. He was kind of like in the end zone waiting for the ball to plop in his lap. And uh, I think he should have went up and tried to get that ball. But that was intercepted, and it seemed like that took a lot of life right from the beginning out of the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of phased Mac, Mac Jones a bit to go, oh my gosh, this actually is a team compared to when I was at Alabama where everything I played against was easy. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, comes into this game and he's like, Whoa, am I playing like that good Clemson team from the year that, that Alabama lost to Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne? Yeah. Or what the heck? No. Well, it's a learning process for Mac Jones, I really think. I mean, that was a tough, you know, when I, you know, I thought it was going to be a good game, a close game, but then after it was over 
and I started thinking about Mac Jones and everything. I'm thinking, well, it was a hard spot for him getting in there because uh, he beat him once throwing like three passes in Buffalo in, in, during the year. And I thought it'd be tough for him to pull two wins in Buffalo uh, with those crazy maniac fans. Like, holy cow, like we've never seen. I, it's kind of funny. Yeah. What I see on TV is crazy. Can you imagine if you're actually at the game and you're in the parking lot watching these guys jump off cars, uh, jumping into uh, tables and smashing them and all kinds of crazy stuff that goes on in Buffalo. They are very passionate and they are really chomping at the bit to get a Super Bowl uh, win after losing those four in a row, two to the Cowboys, one to the Giants, and one to the Redskins back in the 90s. So they really, really think they got something here, right? Yeah, I mean, the way that Buffalo team looked, and the fans were really getting into the game because they're all blue-collar into things in Buffalo. And it's like, if the Bills were terrible, the fans knew it, but they still showed up because that's what blue-collar fans do. In yeah. this case, they showed up, and the Bills rewarded them with this game. Yep. Josh Allen finished 21 of 25 for 308 yards. Um, You know, and... Buffalo became the first team in the Super Bowl era to score on its seven possessions. And for a Bill Belichick defense, that is something that's some something else there. Allen led uh the Allen led offense was so efficient he gained 480 yards of offense on just 51 snaps before guess who? Mitch Trubisky finishes a game with three kneel downs, which he executed chat to perfection. Well, you should be able to do it that way. I mean, <laughs> when you basically just say hike and take a knee, it's like... It was I a thing of beauty. Done. It was a thing of beauty. Right? And now he's like, why couldn't you have done that for me in Chicago, huh? <laughs> well, what what's going to go on here if Mitch Trubisky has a Super Bowl ring on after this season? He's going to flash that thing all over the place, huh? It's quite possible, but I... I would think he might be even asking for a pay raise at that point. Boy, what about this? Can you imagine if if uh, Allen gets injured along the way here and Trubisky is the starting quarterback in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady and beats him? Would, that would be rather frank, right? That would be a storybook uh, ending to his to his career. His career would have been made already after that, right? Yeah, I mean, that would have been, would have been something along the lines of a Frank Reich when he had to take over for Jim Kelly. Right. And then Pace would be in the stands telling everybody, I told you so. Told you he was good. Right. Enough of that, right? So the 30-point mark... He's trying to get the job in some other place. What's that? Because he's trying to get the job somewhere else. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Is any high school teams need need someone? Yeah, there might be some high schools looking for an athletic character. Right. The 30-point margin of victory and 47-point score were the second most by the Bills in a playoff game behind, I remember this game, a 51-3 win over the Los Angeles Raiders in the AFC Championship game, January 20, 1991. Oh, by the way, that was Jim Kelly uh, leading the team there with, uh, you know, Andre Reid and Thurman Thomas and the rest of that gang and... uh, Bruce Smith yep. on defense, and what a team that was, huh, back then? Yeah, Steve Tasker returning your kick. Steve Tasker, they had the great Steve Tasker, one of the best special team guys to ever play in the NFL. Yep. 
So we'll see what happens here, right? It was essentially over at halftime. The Buffalo gained 300 yards, had 19 first downs, and built a 27-3 lead in the first half. It was like a snoreboard. Uh, Jones struggled 24-38 for 232, two touchdowns, um, and, you know, got some stuff done at garbage time, right? Yeah, it was like he was the backup point guard coming in and trying to change the game. At that point, and it's like, why? Why? Other than maybe just a little bit of respect. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, he'll be back next year, and uh, you know, he could throw this one over over his shoulder, and he's in. But the the thing is, he's not gonna, you know, have Bill Belichick there forever with him. I don't think, obviously, right? I mean, how much, how many more years can Belichick go? Well, Belichick probably thinks change my batteries every couple of years, I'll be okay, but. There's going to be a point where he's going to decide it's time to hang it up. Right, right. So he might not keep him warm enough. Yep. Yep. couple milestones uh, in this game. It was just the third time in Patriots history that they had lost a playoff game by at least 30 points. The other two, Super Bowl twenty, They lost by 36 to guess who in Super Bowl twenty. The Chicago Bears. The Bears, right? And uh, what a shellacking. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, was it 45 to, what was it, 45 to 10 or something 40. like that? 47 to 10? I can't remember. 46 to 10. 46 to 10. Thank you. That's right. 36 points difference. 46 to 10 and William the Refrigerator. And I, the thing that I remember more than anything about this game was that William Refrigerator Perry got a touchdown and Walter Payton didn't. I'll never, I just, I don't know. There's a lot of great things. There's a lot of great memories of that season and everything else that went along with those great linebackers and, and defensive line and 46 defense and Buddy Ryan and the whole gang there. But for some reason, that's what I remember more than anything was that the Fridge got a TD in the Super Bowl and uh, Walter Payton did not. And that's something that Mike Dick has even admitted is he doesn't really remember or understand why he never made it a point, especially when the, they had the ball on the one-yard line, yeah. giving it to Walter over the fridge in that game. And he said, I'm going to take that to my grave with me. I'm going to yeah. be constantly like tossing and turning about why I didn't give Walter the ball. Yeah, he just got caught up in the whole uh, fridge hype at the end, right? Yeah. Yep. The other team was the 1963 AFL championship game. Uh Lost by the Patriots, lost to the Chargers by 41 in that game. And um, maybe John Hadle was the quarterback back then of uh, the Chargers. I'm going way back on that one. Uh, the other milestone the Bengals, you know, win their first playoff game since the 1990 AFC wildcard. At 31 years, nine days, it's the third longest span between playoff wins in NFL history. Uh, the Cardinals have a 51-year, five days, and the Lions, 34-year, seven days. So there we go. All right. So and The one that I heard from a lot of people, especially about the Bengals, was the last time they played a football or won a playoff game, nobody could send a text message about what the heck happened because we didn't have text messaging yet. Right. Texting came in 1992. Yeah. So... Yep. We're talking about 30 years and how we've evolved since the last time the Bengals had won a playoff game prior to Saturday. Yep. 
So in the game, uh, some stats I that jumped out on me. 29 first downs for Buffalo. Six for seven. Third down efficiency, which is, you know, nearly perfect. Total yards, 482. Passing yards, 308. Um, rushing yards, 174. And two turnovers for... Um, New England, but it was just a just a, a complete white whitewash. And this will be a game that New England will remember for you know going into next year. So they're going to be hopefully they're going to be uh, after the Bills next year for them, right? You would hope so, and especially you get year two of Mac Jones, and he's got more experience with the offense. Who knows what pieces the the Patriots may bring in to help him out, or who knows what pieces may leave that to help him out this year, but. We may see a whole new Patriots team next year. Yep. Could be. For sure, right. All right, so that was the Saturday games, and now we go to the Sunday games. Um, and the first one here was boring. The Bucks 31, the Eagles 15. Uh, Tom Brady, you know, took another step back to the journey of getting to another Super Bowl. Um, you know, they set the tempo right from the start. Brady leading a pair of long touchdown drives in the opening quarter and, you know, built a 17 to nothing lead by halftime. And I'm telling you, the ball was getting out of Brady. The ball was lead. That's a great center they got there in Tampa. But he was snapping the ball and Brady was throwing the ball. It was almost like I like almost like a split second. And, Gron- and there he is, Gronkowski wide open in the middle of the field. How many times did we see that? Quite a few. Yeah. And if it wasn't Gronkowski, it was Mike Evans, right? Uh-huh. I mean, he, he knew what targets he wanted to go to. Once Tom Brady got the ball from Ryan Dents in the center for that game, it was like he could pretty much throw anywhere because he knew that Jensen was going to protect him and the guys around him were going to have his back. So it wasn't going to be a, a problem for Tom Brady to throw wherever he wanted or have a little time to, to get his uh, right position for whatever he was going to do to get the team this win. Right, right. So right now his playoff record is thirty-five and eleven. Brady in a record forty-six postseason starts. Huh? Amazing stuff. And it seems like at forty-four he's better than now than he was when he was twenty-four. And it's very possible considering the fact that he's basically given a green light to do whatever he wants on the field. If he needs to change the play, Bruce Arians says go for it. You know, or if there's somebody that can't, shouldn't be in this particular set because they're just not doing well or whatever, tell them get out. You yep. know. Yep. And the defense, you know, did their part. They intercepted Jalen Hurts. Poor Jalen Hurts, just outmanned in this game. Um, intercepted him twice in uh, the in his quarterback playoff debut. Brady completed 29 of 37 attempts without an interception while extending his postseason record. For TD passes to 85, huh? Yeah, I mean, he just had free will to throw the ball wherever and whenever. Right. And Jalen Hurts just had no chance in this game, huh? I mean, just, you know, the run the run pass option was just not working at all, was it? Not in his case. It's like if his ego was named Jalen, it hurts. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was just not a game for him. And I don't know that outside of Philadelphia, he's going to get much attention as a quarterback of the future. So no, maybe he, that we've seen the best Galen Hurts. Yeah, kind of an interesting career. You know, 
starting in Alabama, losing his job to uh, to Tio Tua, I should say, not Tio, and then going to Oklahoma and just you know having a great season in Oklahoma and then getting drafted. And um, you know, I thought he was going to be more of a, like a wide receiver kind of guy, but he's back there now. And um, but I, I agree with you. I don't know how many how many more uh, miles you got left on Hertz as a as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it could be that Jalen Hurts is going to be the next, next Trubisky. Yeah. Like, you give him a couple of years to see what he can do, and then all of a sudden it's, he's riding the, the backup saddle in whatever city they want to trade him to, whether it's L.A., Vegas, New York, wherever. Yeah. He's, he's basically going to be a career backup from there. I think so. I don't think, he's got, I don't think he has what it takes to stay a starter anywhere. Maybe the Bears. If Fields doesn't work out. I, I don't know if they want to go that route. I mean, <laughs> it depends on where the head coach becomes, I guess. Right. Well, he could run the same offense as uh, Fields, I suppose, yeah. right? We'll see. couple milestones from this one. Rob Gronkowski, the Gronkster, recorded his 15th career postseason TD reception, still second most all-time behind Jerry Rice. Uh, the catch... Also tied in with Reggie Wayne for the third most receptions in postseason history at 93. Jalen Hurts. This is amazing stuff. Jalen Hurts is the 28th different quarterback Tom Brady has defeated in the postseason. Nobody else has beaten more than 15 quarterbacks, and that was Joe Montana. 28 different quarterbacks, huh? Wow. Yeah. And, of course, in Montana's case, most of the quarterbacks he played against were the same ones because you didn't have expansion and you didn't have three divisions. So he had all kinds of opportunities to beat the same Phil Sims, Jimmy yeah. McMahon, um, whoever the Cowboys might have had at the time along with Troy Aitman. I mean, there were so many options that Montana didn't didn't get to see because of the way that the system was set up. Right. First time break, pretty much almost to the point where he's seen every quarterback in the playoffs. Yep. Boy, I'm sure he'd love to have those Super Bowls back against Peyton Manning, though, huh? Especially the one season, oh. the one season they were undefeated. Yeah, you would, you would definitely want to have that one back. Yeah. And you know what a miraculous finish at least one of those games was with the helmet catch there. Uh, uh-huh. Looking at the stats, just you know. Interceptions, again, two turnovers there by Tampa Bay, but just, you know, complete domination um, by the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers. So there's that game. And here we go. The PS de resistance, I'll call it. The 49ers and the Cowboys. It was the 49ers 23 and the Cowboys 17. Do I have to talk about this game, Chad? I guess I do. Well, we're going to have to, but I'm, I'm sure you don't want to say too much on it. Because to you, it was more of a uh, Pepe Le Pew type of game. Right. I just had a reach for you. Right. Well, a guy I was af- just deathly as- afraid of before the game was Debo Samuel. And uh, he proved me uh, right, I guess. Debo ran 26 yards for a touchdown for a comfortable lead in the third quarter for the 49ers before the Cowboys tried to rally, and ran out of time, trying to get a final play in, and ended up losing 23-17. Uh, to 17. 
The 49ers overcame interceptions by Jimmy G when they led by 13 in the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, the wait for Dallas to reach the NFC Championship game keeps on ticking. 27 years now. Um, another first round flame out in the postseason for the Cowboys. For Dak Prescott, the second and three trips over six seasons for a Dak. It was his first playoff game since signing a $40 million a year contract in the offseason. And um, I don't know. I don't even know where to start. My head is still spinning, Chad. My head is still spinning. All I look up and look up and see 17 points. I see no Tony Pollard. I see no Zeke Elliott. I see not enough targets to Amari Cooper. And I see a defense that just completely fell apart. I saw holding calls. I don't know, 14 penalties in the game. The holding calls were unbelievable. I never I just could not imagine to ever see that many holding calls in a game. And then we have the guys. We have uh, Randy Gregory lining up in the um, in the uh, offsides. I'll call it right, the neutral zone. The neutral. Yeah, yep. offsides. Just a complete disaster. You cannot go into a playoff game like this. Uh, first of all, you're handicapped because you have a coach who's pretty lousy and doesn't know how to run the clock. And then you have an offense. Here I go. Right. And then you have an offensive coordinator who rather be cute than like. Just go out and beat this team. Just go out and beat this team. Give the ball to to give the ball to the stars on your team. Find them the ball, please. Anyway, just a complete mess. It was just a complete mess. There's no way, and I had a feeling this was going to happen because they 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 won in big fashion over the Eagles the week before, and the world was great in Dallas land all week. And they get a big head, and the 49ers come in here, and um, and then. Joey Bosa's out, right? He's out of the game, and this is Dallas's chance, but they still can't execute. And then, forgetting about everything else that happened, forget about the penalties, forget about not giving it enough to Elliott or, or Pollard, and forget everything else you want, the Cowboys still had a chance to win this game. But they decided, maybe we don't want to win this game. Maybe we want to just play analytics. Yeah, I mean... The way that game ended out, it was like saying, did Ryan Pace call Jerry Jones and say, hey, did you steal my team? Because it, it looked rather Bears-esque out there. Right. They had a chance to win it, and they just gave it away. Yeah, so whatever game you're playing, Stratomatic Football, EA Sports, John Madden Football, any any board game, any computerized football game, any any game that you ever want, and you're down by six... With 14 seconds to go in the game, in your game, do you ever, ever run a draw play? Ever? You, you don't even draw it up. No. You draw, you draw up the thing that's going to get you down the field and out of bounds to stop the clock. Not right. the thing that's going to be up the middle and hope to heck that the uh, official gets out of the way, which in this case didn't happen. The official sat there until he was told, okay, now you can move. By that point, one second, boom game over. The Cowboys had no chance, and that's all on Mike McCarthy, but knowing how Jerry Jones is, because the season ended up, they were in the playoffs, McCarthy's going to be back next season, the Cowboys are going to do the same things all season long, because the NFC lease is crap, and Dallas will be in the playoffs again, and we'll just see the same mess 
all season long. I I agree with you a hundred percent. I agree with you a hundred percent. However, I'm not I'm not so sure they're gonna make the playoffs next year because they're gonna lose some people, and McCarthy is just horrible. I mean, this team was solid in terms of personnel, and um, and the thing that gets me more aggravated than anything else was that they were the only team. And this was this was really what should bother Jerry Jones more than anything. Every team that had was that was at home last weekend won except the Cowboys. Every team that was home, every team that was a favorite, right, Chad? They all won except yeah. the Cowboys. Why is that? Why is that? That could just be McCarthy's ego thing, you know, we're the home team or I'm a coach known for winning in the playoffs. So everything's gonna work out in my favor, and then he just draws up everything wrong and the players go with it. Right. Uh, Dak, don't worry about it, Dak. You're going to have plenty of time. I mean, you just run that draw play. Run it maybe 10 yards, do your little slide, and we'll have plenty of time to get another playoff. I mean, who are you kidding me? And Packer fans are like, yep, this is why we're glad we don't have him anymore. Right. Well, they were telling me that before before last year, before the season started, his first season I was hearing about that. That no, they were laughing at the Cowboys for taking him, and they they made a reference to a playoff game that the Packers had in Seattle in particular that he blew. But um, just you know, crazy, crazy. And then here's what makes it even worse: after the game's over, oh well, my analytics, you know, basically said, you know, this is what we should. I don't want to hear about your analytics. You lost the damn game. Don't blame it on the analytics. Don't blame it on the ref. Oh, well, if the ref would have gotten out of the way, well, th- shit happens. Shit happens. Exactly. I mean, it, it's just like I always say with everybody that talks about the computer systems in baseball. It's like, does the computer actually go out and play the game? Does it pitch 96-mile-an-hour fastballs? Does it hit 400-foot home runs? Does it field the, the little uh, bouncer to third and throw it to first and thing? No, it's just there for show. Play the freaking game. Tell your players to go out there, earn their money, playing the game. Don't play the computer thing because guess what that's going to do? Backfire. Right. And we see in every sport where they're using computer analytics, it always backfires because everybody gets too bought into the hype on it and they find out, oh, the computer doesn't know what it's talking about. It's like, no, it doesn't because it doesn't play the game. Yeah. So Randy Gregory, you know, got flagged several times during the season for being in the neutral zone. Do you think at any point in time somebody says to him, hey, listen, you know, this is a playoff game. Just, you know, I don't care. Just stay on your side of the field until until the ball snapped. (laughs) Well, if I could say one thing, it wouldn't be either Chris Mustafer from the Bears or it wouldn't have been Charles Leno. Because those two are notorious for false starts or being in the neutral zone or anything they shouldn't have been so those two guys i wouldn't suggest ever talking to somebody about being offside during the neutral zone because they live there yeah and the happiest guy in the in the cowboys clubhouse after the game locker room i should say was greg zerline because he didn't miss an extra point and he didn't miss a field goal so he was like probably happy because most people thought he was going to be there if they lost they they already had it like set up for uh, 
for Zerline to be the GOAT, but he wasn't the GOAT. No, he, he wasn't going to be able to kick a, a seven-point field goal. Right. Not rocking back playoff version of football here that MTV had with basketball and baseball. It's it's real base, real football, and you got a head coach that just doesn't know what time is on the clock. You know, this isn't the – I mean, listen, I, I can point to several games. Even last year, the last game of the year, there was a replay that would have – basically put the Cowboys in a position to win a game and he didn't and it was obvious to everybody but he didn't throw the red flag out this year several bad bad moves on his part managing the clock he's also a big time guy on fourth and four in the first uh, quarter going for it on fourth down all kinds of garbage all this analytic nonsense it's like oh well I stood I was out of football and during the time I was out of football I was studying analytics okay whatever and then after the game's over, Debris is being thrown at the officials. And you know what? I'm not so sure they were really throwing everything at the officials. I think they may have been trying to look for McCarthy, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, whether it was McCarthy or the team itself, it was just throwing it to throw it and hope it hits something. Because it would have probably been the only thing that, that hit a target in Dallas for Cowboy players or fans that day. Right. Was anything the fans threw it something. And um, the stuff on Twitter after that game was some really fantastic stuff, though, I have to admit. It almost made me feel better about the loss because it was some of the stuff was just hilarious. Because I'm no, I'm no Jerry Jones fan, and reading some of the stuff they were saying about Jerry Jones. But you know what's so sad about this? There were several teams this week that got blown out. And technically, the Cowboys, technically the Cowboys lost to six, by six points to a pretty good football team. Right, but they're the laughing stock of the week. Yeah, I mean that was a winnable game for the Cowboys, and they just, for whatever reason, fourth quarter came around and they said we're done. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I this has been, you know, I I did a whole episode. It's episode I think three or four of the podcast. Where have all the Cowboys gone? And I de- uh-huh. painstak. Did you listen to it, Chad? You ought to listen to that one day. I did. I went through. It was it was painful to listen to, right? I mean, if you're a Cowboys fan, all the mistakes they've made over the years. And there's one constant, one constant there the whole time. And I'll say this to Bears fans: I've been listening to the Bears fans before this game. You know, for ever since you know the season went south on them, fire and pace. Fire and Nagy, but you know what? You don't want Jerry Jones. You don't want to be. I'd have the McCaskies owning the Cowboys over Jerry Jones. I almost have any owner in football right now owning the Cowboys over Jerry Jones. Yeah, because and here's the here's the here's the go ahead. I mean, I mean, you've even got a, a guy as bad as Chad Khan down in Jacksonville, who has basically torn that organization apart over the years, trying to get them moved to London. Who would do better with the with the Cowboys than what Jerry Jones is doing with the Cowboys, and that's saying a lot. Right. Well, here's the funny thing, right? So McCaskey, he he takes heat for saying he's more of a football fan than like an X and O type of guy, and the and the Bears fans and the media jumped on him for that, jumped on his ass for that. And I'm like, hey, the guy made an admission here. Okay, he's telling the truth. He goes out and hires Bill Polian. What do the Cowboys do? 
Third GM and owner, similar situated. He's more, you know, he owns a team just like McCaskey does. But Jerry Jones thinks he knows football. He doesn't need to go hire Bill Polian for anything because he's all knowing. That's a much worse situation, and it's now shown. Like, you know, I, here's how, here's what I say. This is what I say about the Cowboys, right? My daughter was born. The Cowboys won a Super Bowl. They haven't been to a Super Bowl since my daughter was born 30, 30 years ago. So, because I remember holding her in my arms during the Super Bowl, and they have not been to one since. So it's been 30 years. And she has yep. kids. She's like got a whole life going on, going on. And I'm, oh boy, 30 years I haven't seen one, right? So I don't know if I'll ever see one, Chad. It'll be interesting if it ever ha- does happen. And when it does, I think the world possibly going to end or fall off the axis altogether. Yeah. Oh, God. I, don't, I don't know what, I don't know what they have to do. And I don't have the answers and I'm just going to, See what happens. Another adventure. You know what, though? At some point in time, there's really no other ways. I mean, they they have lost games like every which way possible. Now they lost this game every which. I don't know if there's another way to lose a game. They've lost games on missed field goals. They lost games on, uh, these are playoff games, missed field goals. They lost Tony Romo mishandling the snap in Seattle in the playoff game. Uh, Romo throwing interceptions. And, and here's the funny thing, too, and I have to say this. Tony Romo's doing the game. He's announcing the game. And he's like, whoa, this is a bad situation. Tony, are you forgetting who you were, Tony? There's one guy, I'm going to tell you right now, there's not. There's one guy that, and I'm not saying he said anything too bad about Prescott, but you talk about calling the kettle, the pot calling the kettle black, it's, it's Tony Romo on the Cowboys. Yeah. Because he has lost a lot of big games for the Cowboys. All right. So he's, he's, uh, Doc, Dak Prescott is not up to that yet. He's not up to that yet. Almost. He's getting there, but not quite the Tony Romo there. No, it'll be interesting to see if he gets there. And people forget, right? People forget because Tony Romo is a great announcer. He's got all these stats, threw for all these yards, touchdowns, blah, blah, blah. But Tony Romo lost a lot of games for the Cowboys over the years. Big games. Anyway, enough Even of that. Even the last team playing because of injuries or yeah. concussions or whatever. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. So some milestones from the game. Debo Samuel, 72 rush yards were the most by a wide receiver in a playoff game since the Super Bowl era began in 1966, surpassing the previous mark held by Hall of Famer James Lofton. Remember him? He was fast. Um, the Cowboys... Yeah, the Cowboys have gotten 11 straight playoff appearances without reaching a conference championship game. That's the longest drought by any team since the AFC-NFC created this in 1970. Dallas has been one and done in seven of those 11 playoff appearances. There you go, Jerry. Jerry, that's that's for you, not for me, right? Exactly. (laughs) Chad, anything else on this one? I lost my job. Well, you can't fire him. That's the thing. How many people? No. How many times would he have been fired already? Fire the manager when it's the same person. So. No. Any normal uh, general manager would have been fired, like you know, when I was probably like when I had hair or something. But now it's been thirty years. All right. So the chief. Let's go to the Chiefs, and this was another. You knew this was. 
right? Did anybody have the Steelers to win this? Probably nobody, right? I honestly don't think anybody did, and if they did, they were probably kind of hoping that it was going to be a case where Patrick Mahomes woke up, went to the the, uh, locker room, started putting on his football cleats and his uniform and things, sneezed and and took his back out. Right. Like a Sammy Sosa-esque kind of thing. And he'd be out for the game. It's like, there's no way the Steelers are going to do anything in this game. Their defense would basically have to be the only way that they stay in. And even the defense wasn't helping them. No, it was pretty eye-opening early in the game because, you know, it took a while for the Chiefs to get going. And can you imagine if they started out hot, what the score would have been? Oh, that, that game would have been over at halftime. Yep. Like, it would have been a case where fans would have been like, can we just have the clock run like they do in high school when a team's up by 40 or 50 and the other team hasn't scored yet? Yep. Just so we can get this game done with and go home. Yeah. Mahomes proceeded in this game to throw for 404 yards and five scores, leading Kansas City uh, to the end zone on six straight possessions after a turnover. Um, and then they just went, you know, completely uh, cruise, cruising all the way through that second half, 42-21. to 21. Um, Byron Pringle caught touchdown passes from both Mahomes and Kelsey. Kelsey got himself... Now, you know why? I like how Andy Reid does it. I don't know why. Andy Reid never did this when he was there... Uh, as a coach of the Eagles all those years. But now, man, that's a scary proposition. He's got all kinds of different players throwing touchdown passes now in the red zone, right? Well, he also has more players that can do things in terms of scoring points. I mean, when you've got Mahomes who can throw the ball, Pringle who can catch passes to get them downfield, Kelsey catching touchdowns, Jarek McKinnon and Tariq Hill running all over the place. He's got so many weapons with this with this organization that he didn't have in Philly for all those years, that he's like, why didn't Philly do this for me? So I could have stayed there for years and years and years. And eventually get to the point where there was just nothing left in Philly. He goes to Kansas City and it's like, the floodgates have opened up. The budget is wide open. He can get anything he wants when he wants it. Right. Yep. Ben Roethlisberger's last game chat, right? I'm thinking it most likely will, unless for some reason we see him in Indianapolis because the Colts need another 40-plus-year-old quarterback to uh, help him out until they can get the right one, finally. Well, you know what? The state of quarterbacking in the NFL isn't perfect, so there's always a chance somebody out there uh, would take him, right? Yeah, I mean, you might see a team that is in desperate need of a quarterback next year that calls Ben and says, we need you to be our backup so you can... And uh, help our new guy with with running the uh, rigors of the NFL offense and being ready for some defenses and things because you know him well enough. So he may do it. He may. Not. I don't know. Right. Yeah. We'll see. My thought: if we don't see him playing next year. That he retires and he's either working with the Steelers radio team or he's an analyst somewhere. Yeah, he seems like the kind of guy that if he has to stay active, like playing football, because he's a big dude and he, you know, he doesn't look like he's in the greatest of shape anymore either. So I, I think once he gets a taste of the couch and some more beer, the dude may be just completely out of shape to even want to play anymore. It's quite possible. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's shown his age and he kept himself going as best he could over the years. Right. Well, he had a great career, and you know what? I never counted the guy out when he was in a big game. He won two Super Bowls, and who will ever forget that 
Super Bowl throw, winning touchdown to uh, Santonio Holmes in the end zone against the Cardinals, and what a what a what a performance that was. And uh, the guy's just been, you know, I always put him up there. You know, all the years he's played, he's right up there. The top quarterbacks, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he was definitely one you could count on when when needed. It just towards the end of his career, it, it showed that he, his time was up. That the game may have passed him by a little bit, but because of the fact that Pittsburgh didn't have anything to really go with after him, he stuck around until he could try to find it. They probably won't find it for a little while yet, but they're also going to be looking for somebody to replace Mike Tomlin. Because I don't think Tomlin's going to stick around much longer either. Right. And he's, he's to the point now where he's been there long enough, it's almost Mike McCarthy-esque. Yeah, except he's a better coach. <laughs> For he sure. He is, yeah. yeah. But yeah. in terms of it's been there too long, and yeah. his pain's kind of hit the point where the caboose isn't even move, moving anymore, that right. uh, we may end up seeing him in Dallas. Who knows? <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? Who knows, right? Milestones yeah. from this one. Patrick Mahomes threw five pass, uh, passing touchdowns in a span of 10 minutes and 30 seconds of the game. Uh, it's easily the fastest span in NFL postseason history. Five touchdown passes in 10 minutes of a football game. Wow. He may have thrown another one while we are in this podcast. Who knows? Yeah, really. All right, so that brings us to... Uh, the thriller on Monday night, the Rams and the Cardinals. And really, this was a JV, varsity JV game. Rams 34, the Cardinals 11. And the Cardinals just never got it going, did they? No, they, they just basically looked like a deer in headlights. Everything that the Rams could do, they did. Because that team was built for getting this far into the playoffs and keep going. And it'll be interesting to see the Rams and the NFC. NFC Championship game against whoever their opponent might be, whether it's Tampa Bay or it might be San Francisco or who it might be. Right. That Rams team is going to be amazing to watch. I think so. I, you know, and I think the big X factor now for the Rams is, uh, you know, getting Cam Akers back because he was out all year and, yeah. he, and he got himself. So now they got that running game to go with everything else. Stafford passed for 202 yards and two touchdowns, ran for another score. It was his first playoff game. We mentioned that earlier. And, um, you know, good for Matt Stafford. Odell Beckham Jr. and Cooper Cup made touchdown catches for the NFC West champion Rams. And also, OB, uh, Beckham threw a nice pass, too, didn't he, in this game? He did have a nice And then, of course, the thing that everybody's still talking about, about Kyler Murray's terrible playoff debut was probably his best pass being the three-yard interception return oh. to David Long. Man, it's that like, was... How do you have such a bad pass like that? Well, he... Well, I think I think Murray's problem is I think he just thinks he can do anything he wants. And he got himself in that end zone. And there was no reason to throw that football. Just take the two points. No. You know? Yeah. You're better off just laying low and getting hit. Instead of throwing that, because two versus six, I think I'd rather have the two if I was uh, Sean McVay. Right. So the question is, you know, does Murray, you know, going forward now, right? So Mac Jones, you know, rookie. Um, you had Jalen Hurts. You had Kyler Murray. They all lost their playoff games. 
you know, the thing here is, what do you take out of this if you're those three guys? Are you going to learn or are you just going to keep making the same kind of errors? You know, and if you want to have longevity in this league being a quarterback, you got to learn from your mistakes and you got to, you got to, you got to adjust and you got to make changes, don't you? Yeah, I mean, these three quarterbacks that saw lose these games that we thought maybe they'd win them, they're basically the future of the NFL's position. They need to do something now to learn the position and how to do it in the NFL, not just go based on their ESPN laurels from college days or the fact that they were unknown for so long. Because you know, at the point where teams are focusing on you, they're looking to see what your deficiencies are. They're looking to see what your tells are. They're playing poker with you while you're over here playing checkers. It, it's time for you to do a little more work to figure out what you need to do to be a better quarterback and not just wait for the organization to get you the players that you need. Because the organizations in the NFL are not going to listen to you as though you're LeBron James and just buy me what I need. It's going to be, we're going to get what we need. You're just going to have to work with and figure out how to do it. Right. That's right. Couple milestones from this one. The Cardinals. This is this is amazing. The Cardinals average 1.5 yards per play in the game, second fewest in the first half of a playoff game over the last 20 seasons. Uh, Chad, you can't really can't really win anything, huh? With a 1.5 yard per play when the field's 100 yards long. <laughs> if you watch the Bears all season, you can definitely figure that out. <laughs> right. Right. Chad, you mentioned that touchdown, that that uh, that interception in the end zone. The three-yard pick by uh, David Long Jr. was the shortest pick in NFL postseason history. The previous shortest was a five-yard pick by Jack Squirek of the Raiders in Super Bowl 18, and that interception was thrown by Joe Theismann in that Super Bowl, and that was a huge, huge win there by uh, the Raiders. They just destroyed the Hogs and the Washington Redskins in that Super Bowl. And that was really the turning point of that game is when uh, Joe Theismann threw that five-yard interception to Jack Squirek. One of the best, you know, you always see this on the highlights. If you if you like, I always like watch the Super Bowl highlights of the past. And that was uh, yeah. a great Super Bowl there. And also in that Super Bowl, Mark, Marcus Allen, I think, ran, well, he definitely ran for a touchdown. I think today, I think that record stands. I think it was the longest run from a line of scrimmage by a running back for a touchdown in the Super Bowl, Marcus Allen. And a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people. You know, when you start, when you talk about some of the great running backs in the NFL, no one ever mentions Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen was fantastic. I think because of the fact that he was in the same era as Barry Sanders, Emmitt Smith, Thurman Thomas, and they were all teams that either made a Super Bowl or were big name players. Yeah, a little bit before or, that though, too. Like he was, yeah. he was in between. In between, like uh, Tony Dorsett and OJ Simpson, and in between, you know, on the other side of it, it was Smith and Thomas in there, and Barry Sanders, yeah. So he was kind of lost in there, and it's like when you're running quarterbacks in and out of that Raider offense like crazy back in that time, plus having all the receivers that were potential to not really give Marcus Allen the opportunity to get as many runs as he should have gotten. When you're throwing the ball to Tim Brown and various other guys, it's like, how often is uh, Marcus Allen going to run the ball? Yeah. Probably not too many times when you got so many weapons to throw to you and you only have one. Right. 
All right, so you ready to give some predictions for this weekend before we wrap it up? I'm ready for it. All right, so the first game is the Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Late start on Saturday, 4.30 p.m. That's Eastern Time on CBS, streaming at Paramount+. Plus. Bengals at Titans. Now, they got the Titans minus three, the over-under 47. And um, what do you think, Chad? What do you think is going to happen in this one? I honestly think that the Titans would be stronger in terms of winning this game outright if Derrick Henry was at full strength. But because he's coming back from that injury, it's like, what's he going to be? Are they going to be able to be as effective with him? Or is it going to be a case where they're going to have to go around him to be able to do things because he's just not going to be as effective? I mean, we'll see on Saturday, but... It kind of puts that game up in the air until we actually see Derrick Henry carry the ball a couple of times to say, you know what, the Titans are for real. They may actually pull this one out pretty big. But I'm I'm kind of looking at the possibility that the Bengals are going to do what, what we expect them to do and be the underdog because they have so many weapons. And they don't have near as many unknowns as what Tennessee does with having Derrick Henry coming back. Yeah. So who... Who do you predict then to win? I'm going to go with the Bengals on this one because I just don't know what what Derrick Henry, if he's going to be the Derrick Henry that we're used to or if he's going to be one that for a while there until he really feels like he can do something, he's just going to kind of be there as a decoy for somebody else. That's a good point. Um, I think getting Derrick Henry back, even if you got 70% of Derrick Henry back, I think that's a big deal for the Titans. And I think why that, just having him on the field, I think, helps Tannenhill. And um, I'm going to, you know, I I think I would switch. This is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be like a field goal type situation. I would swing the other way if this game was in Cincinnati, but it's in Tennessee. And I'm not saying like, you know, Tennessee's like, you know, playing in – at uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium for the Dukies or something crazy like that, but um, I think it's enough. I think it's enough for them, and I think that, and I think having a week off, you know, a lot of people say it's a layoff. Forget about that. Much better not to play that. I think it's a lot better not to play that game. You're not as banged up, and you're and um, you're ready, to, and you're more focused, especially when you're at home. You would think, and Vrabel's a great coach. I'm going with the Titans in this one by a field goal. Okay. All right. So let's go to the next. Huh? The benefit for Tennessee as well is that they could have, in watching that game on that uh, Cincinnati had, they could have had the defense focused on Cincinnati in terms of what they were going to do and have, in terms of the coaches and then have the offensive coaches focused on what was going to happen with, uh, yeah. with um, the other team just so that they could have some notes to compare and be able to work with, whether they talk at halftime about what they've seen and and what kind of adjustments to expect or anything like that, which is a benefit to having that week off because it's not a case where maybe the Titans had played on Sunday and the other team was playing later on Sunday or wherever the case might have been, where they didn't have near as much time to prep for it. They had now two weeks to kind of look at the different tendencies between the two teams and then watch the tendencies in the game from separate directions. They didn't have to be all just focused on what's one team going to do this entire series it's okay what did you see in this series from this side what did you see on this part you know they could kind of balance it out a little more and 
be able to focus like an all 22 video on it. Right. And I think in a game like this where you got teams that, you know, are pretty equal, I think that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't this like the. Yeah. All right. The next one staying in the AFC. This one is on uh, Sunday at 630. That's a late start for a Sunday night game. Well, I guess maybe not. They got Sunday night football during the years. On CBS, streaming at Paramount Plus, Bills at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are minus two. The over-under is 54 and a half. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people jumping on that uh, over 54 and a half. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit more low scoring. I, there could be some turnovers and there could be some eating of the clock. And it might be it might be less than that. So I'm not going to bite on going over the 54 and a half. But... Um, what can you say, right? I mean, this is um, it's a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game, right? And, and this is the Bills and the Chiefs. And if Allen is who we think he is, we already know Mahomes is, these two guys are going to be battling them, battling each other for the next 10 years possibly, huh, in the, in the AFC? I can see that, and especially since the Bills have two different playoff series of Mahomes will watch to see what his tendencies are as the season goes on, to go, this is what to expect out of him. This is what he's been doing this year. Yeah. So now we kind of have an idea of what he's going to be like from postseason to postseason, and also playing him, if they played him in the regular season during those years, you know, so they can see what his tendencies are and be able to have some, some previous video, whereas some teams don't always get that advantage for a couple of years. So the Bills will come in well prepared for this one, and I, I think it's going to be a Bills win, but it's going to be under the 54 and a half. Yeah. I think defense is going to play a big role in this game for both teams. It might come down to a battle of field goals. You know, I think so. And I'm going to go under two. And I'm also going to take the Bills because I think finally this is a situation where, you know, the defense for the Bills is going to shine. enough. It'll shine enough to slow Mahomes down a little bit and to slow that offense down. And I think Josh Allen's going to play turnover free. I don't know why I say that, but I think he will. I mean, he's a risk taker, but I think this is this is the big moment for Josh Allen. And, and like I said, if Josh Allen wins this one, now we finally have a rivalry here between the Bills and the Chiefs. It's a, it's not a rivalry when one team wins all the time uh, in the big games in the playoff game. So this is the chance for a redemption, and I think they're going to get it. So I'm going to go with the Bills in this one as well. Yeah, so that, there's. There's no opportunity that says that the Bills or the Chiefs are going to run away with this game. It's going to come down to defense yep. altogether. Both quarterbacks are still going to have good games, but it's going to be a battle which defense keeps the other team to field goals. Yeah. Yep. All right, so we move if, over. Okay. I'm sorry. If it's a situation where we have another game where maybe eight field goals are made between the two teams, that might be the difference in the game, and it's just field goals. So you're talking possibility. It comes down to a 12-12 game, and we might be going to overtime. Yep. Could be. It's going to be – I mean, I'm hoping it's going to be a great game because we need to see some great games after last week. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's go to the – the, uh, the NF, NFC. Let's, the first game we're going to talk about Saturday night, 8-15 Eastern. It's on Fox. That means we get Joe Buck and Troy Aikman again. Uh, Packers minus five. It's the 49ers at Packers. The Packers are given five points to the 49ers. The over-under is 47 and a half. 
And this one to me is set up to this is a I think this is gonna be a blowout. I understand to agree with you. I think the way that Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing so so far, he's so up and down that this is gonna be one of those games where you look at him and go, He's just gonna be cold. Yeah. He's not gonna be ready to play and San Francisco's not gonna help him out with getting in the right spots and doing the things that need to do to make Jimmy look like he knows what he's doing. It's going to be a case where Aaron and the pack run all over him, and he comes out just forcing things too much. I, I agree with all of that. I think this is set up, you know, like you said, it's, it's going to be cold. San Francisco's got injuries. This just this game does not set up well. And and again, I keep going back to the Cowboy game. You know, you can say, oh, look at all the things the 49ers did in that game to the Cowboys, but the Cowboys, let's face it, they beat themselves in that game. So... You know, I, I, I think that Green Bay is going to jump all over this one, and I expect Green Bay to win by at least three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, there's no way that the Packers come out of this game winning by six or less. Yeah. All right, so that sets up sets us up for the last game. The Rams at Buccaneers. This is Sunday at 3 o'clock. It's on NBC. Um the Buccaneers faced the Rams back in week three, and L.A. jumped out to a 21-7 lead in that game in route to a 34-24 win. And this is what I'm struggling with, Chad. And before the season started, it's on. if you don't believe me, it's on, the, it's on the podcast already. And it has the date on these things, so I'm not cheating. Okay. I had, in the Super Bowl, I had a rematch of Kansas City and Tampa Bay. Now I just told you that the Bills are going to beat Kansas City so so I'm going against my prediction and I'm going to go against my prediction again I think the Rams got a shot on this because I think well the defense is going to be there but I think the running game is going to help Matt Stafford in this one yeah I mean you have two options for the Rams in terms of you've got Cam Akers who's coming back and you've also got Sony Michelle that can do some things even for short yardage that could punish the Tampa Bay defense because they aren't going to know who's going to be carrying the ball, when it's going to get thrown, where it's going to be. They're going to have to be on their toes the entire game. So there might be a lot of cases where we see Tampa Bay giving up a lot of free yardage to L.A. because of penalties. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So what's your prediction? In this one, I'm thinking the Rams might win it by a field goal. It's going to come yeah. that close, but both both teams are going to play really well. Yeah, but I think Rams might get it with a field goal. Yeah, I, I think it's well. I think it's going to be close, but I think the Rams are going. To, I think the Rams are just going to pull us out, man. I, I don't, you know, that's going to set up if if our predictions are right. That's going to set up the Rams and the Packers right in Green Bay for the NFC Championship game. Yeah, and, and that could be quite. The interesting play there because of the fact that the the uh, Packers know what what uh, Stafford can do in in games that matter, and they've seen what he's like, so they know what his tendencies are. But is is it going to be the same Matt Stafford that we saw in Detroit, where he gives it up late in the game, or is he going to be this new Matt Stafford because he's got weapons to work with all over the field? Yeah. Right, so in that game, if it's the Rams and the Packers, and and, and if you're not a fan of um, Aaron Rodgers, you're rooting for Stafford, and that would be something to see Stafford, who you know, 
had you know he's a he's a very good quarterback and he had a lot of good years in there in Detroit, but they never won anything. And he played against you know Rodgers many times there when he was on the Lions, and now he's on the Rams and he goes into Lambeau Field and prevents Rodgers from attempting to win his second Super Bowl. That would be something, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would definitely be quite the uh, the exciting moment for a lot of the NFC because that may be the the point that cements. Aaron Rodgers' career in Green Bay. And they just say, you know what? You gave us many good years. Time to move on. We need to go to Jordan Love or somebody else at quarterback. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I, I can tell you what. So, the shit's going to be flying in Green Bay if something doesn't go right here for the Packers. I can tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. And there, and now I've heard things about him going to the Raiders, Rodgers. I can see that happening. And then I heard him going to the Giants. Can you believe that? I don't know that he'd want to go there. <laughs> Only I mean, because the Giants I mean, have so many draft picks that they have they have they have they've got material to trade. Yeah, but I don't know that they're going to want to take an aged quarterback when they're trying to get younger. Right. I mean, it, it could be that we see Aaron Rodgers going to Denver because you got the uh, place out there with. Uh, Lane Woodley, the fiance, and hoping that they can kind of stay closer together now that they're going to get married here pretty soon anyway. Yeah, right. Oh. Yep. Well, we did it, Chad. We went through it, and um, time to close up shop here on another uh, Fan Man podcast. Sure is. I mean, these games, you're not going to remember most of the details about what happened because there just wasn't anything memorable to change the game. But it was a it was a good weekend of football. We had for the first time a super wild card weekend where we had three three days of games, and we only had one team that got a bye per division or per conference compared to how it was in the past where two teams might. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future with that, with having these eighteen weeks and and COVID protocols and all that kind of thing that we've dealt with for so long. That's what's going to happen next. Yep, yep. And we'll have more to talk about after this weekend's over and get people ready here on the Fan Man Podcast for our uh, AFC-NFC Championship Preview and Super Bowl predictions, right? That will happen. Right, and then after that, maybe it's time to slide over and talk about some uh, NCAA men's basketball, right? Yeah, we we got a lot to talk about over there because there's a lot of things happening this season that not many teams were expecting to have happen or that many fans were expecting. Right. So so check it out, everybody. The Fan Man Podcast. Uh, you, again, you can get it on Spotify. 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 Google Podcasts. Most other platforms. And uh, Chad, thanks again. And uh, we'll be looking forward to our conversation next week about these the games coming up this weekend. I'm ready for these games. They are going to be fun to watch. Yep. All right, Chad. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fan Man Podcast. You can catch the Fan Man Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most other platforms. Check out the Twitter page at the Fan Man Podcast. At the underscore fan underscore man underscore. And tell me what you think. (laughs) 